What's up, guys? Yo, yo, yo. You good? I think we're good. Everybody got their coffee? Coffee. We're Sugar. caffeinated. <laughs> Are you? I'm caffeinated. Okay, that's good. Well, this is Jason here with Salty Dogs Podcast. And we've got KC on the mic. Chicken mm. check. One, two. two. There he is. And we've got <laughs> Senior Jeffrey. <laughs> Morning. <laughs> this is <laughs> Pastor Jeff. This is Pastor Jeff with Derby Naz, right? That's it. That's All it. right. Yeah. So uh, last episode first was on. First guest. He's first our first guest. First guest. First guest. Man, He's our first guest Maybe ever. the last. <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> I'm we've, lowering the bar for everyone else. <laughs> we've got plans, and so we've we've spent a little bit of money to get this thing together, <laughs> so I go. hope this isn't the last one. Uh, shout out to the Source Wichita for, uh, for funding. Um, this episode. Well, not just brought, this episode. But, yeah, exactly. No, we really want to thank the Source, uh, the, our finance team really got behind us and and said yeah you guys do this and so we were able to upgrade some equipment that's allowing us to have uh four channels so we can have four mics and up to four people so you just don't have to hear casey and i there you go every time so we've got nobody wants to hear pastor jeff this morning and we're going to be continuing our talk on holiness and so the last time that uh well we recorded he listened thank you i think we it's good stuff we had one one listener (laughs) And so actually people don't even know we're live yet. So this will, you guys, you guys will find out we go live here soon. But, uh, he, he said he had some, you know, he wanted to jump in We said, well, let's jump in. So we're going to continue that talk on holiness today, but I want to give a moment to just let him kind of introduce himself. Yeah. And I want to introduce him as well. This is my, you know, I go to the source, Jason, you're my pastor there. And then, um, I'm also plugged in and hopefully to be plugged in there pretty heavy down at, uh, Derby net, Derby church of Nazarene. And so, I don't know when I first started listening to Jeff I was just I was just I mean God had you know really I mean he has a he has a gift you know and um he's using that gift and of teaching and you know God just moves f- through him and I just wanted to get him on here because I just you know I love him and he's just I think he's interesting and worth listening to and I think he can shed some light on a few things too and have some really interesting conversations and so that's what I wanted to do but yeah. here we are 7:30 in the morning Well let me let me jump in real quick and Pastor Jeff, um, just as we've talked about doing Salty Dogs podcast and, you know, Casey named it and he just talked about the term like, you know, Salty Dogs and how it's just this, you know, these guys that are weathered and worn. And I, how long have you been in ministry? Um, ten years. Ten years. As, okay. as, as what we call senior pastor. Sure. Yeah. OK. Yeah. But how long have you then just been maybe serving the church and. Man, it seems like ever since I've been a Christian. Ever, yeah. And so when, when um, were you converted? I was, I was about 20. I'm 40, so. Okay, so 20 years, 20 years living yeah. a Christian life. Yeah. Half of that lead pastor situation. About 10. So yeah. you, I, I would think you're starting to gather a little salt behind the ears. And it's maybe crusting up on the forehead a little bit. Maybe a little salty yeah. more than the salt, but <laughs> yeah. you know. So, yeah. so Salty Dogs Podcast, uh, what I talked to Casey about and what we've talked about is just um, using this time to really try and glean from mm-hmm. wisdom and experience. And so I really, I really believe that, um, you have that just, you know, from the sound of how long you've been in ministry, you've been around some, some people and seen some things. And so that's part of the reason that we have you here. Yeah, man. And, and it's not, it's not just for me, the role of pastor for me, it's, it's more about, it's more about the teaching you know, the pastoral aspect is, um, I'm called to it. Um, I, 
my gifting is more in the teaching, but I'm called to it. I love it, and I love people. Um, but like anything, man, if you love if you love people, you're bound to <laughs> bound to get hurt, disappointed. Um, yeah, and uh, and there's some of the salt. But like Casey was saying, what was it? Your first your first podcast. Um, we're to be salt and light. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's really what it's about for me. Um, I want to flavor season, mm-hmm. um, preserve. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's part of the role of salt too. Um, the dogs aspect, I guess. Man, I'm a I'm a gentile. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> a gentile dog. It's true. How about that? <laughs> Interesting way to look at it. <laughs> well, anything else you want to tell us about your uh, position, what you do, or? You want to dive in? Uh, no, I, let's dive in. I, I care almost nothing about position. So, um, yeah, so let's dive in and get after it. All right. Sweet. Well, we're picking up on holiness. And uh, just, I don't know, is there a certain way you want to take this? Or you want uh, me to just kind of open it up? Cause, yeah, open it up, man. Because one of the things I was thinking about for me, and and I mentioned this last time in the podcast, but, Jeff, I feel like, Personally, I'm in a season where, you know, Jesus, there was a man that came to Jesus and he said, "Um, what do I have to do to be saved or enter the kingdom? Whatever phrasing he used. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, sell all of your possessions. Oh, no. That was rich. Yeah. Rich young ruler. ruler. So he comes to Jesus. What do I have to do? And then he says, um, sell all your possessions. Right. And so obviously this guy went away sad because he was going to have to break ways with you know, obviously his idols and where his heart was, but essentially this is a picture of what Jesus calls us to do. You know, if any man come after me, he must deny himself daily, right? Take up his cross daily and follow me. And so the word church, meaning it's ecclesia or ecclesia, it's a taken out from and put into. So Jesus takes us out of the worldly kingdom and puts us into the, the godly kingdom, right? The kingdom of the father. And so there's this, separation and sanctification, right? So we're, we're a holy people. So we're to be completely different, but you know, I see that there's this process of sanctification that happens. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really recognizing kind of a, an uptick in the sanctification of my life away from worldly endeavors, you know? And so, I mean, it's like, yeah, I love Jesus and I'm, and I'm doing these things, but I really see Jesus moving in my life to, to make me holy so that I'm, I'm not looking like the world. I don't have the world's mentality, but I'm really moving into, you know, kingdom living and kingdom understanding to where I'm saying, okay, this isn't my home, right? I'm, I'm a part of the kingdom. I'm just a, a sojourner, a foreigner. So there's little things that he's doing, you know, and putting on my heart for me to like separate ways from. And so, yeah, I, you know, and you hit the nail on the head, the kingdom principles, um, this is that that is a big part of what holiness is about um, and it's not just kingdom principles we're living for or into a kingdom that is coming it's we're living into a kingdom that has come mm-hmm. um, the concept of new creation the concept of resurrection um, that future kingdom is breaking into a present reality and so 
we're living into this kingdom that is future, but at the same time is present. Mm. Yeah. And this is holiness. Holiness, sanctification, is living presently. What you are already. Right. And that's what we, that's, and that's what we were talking about last time, living my reality, which is the true reality, is where I'm already seated with Christ in <clears throat> heavenly realms. And so living and bringing from that position into where I'm at now, what is already realized that what I just haven't realized yet. Right. And don't make, and, and for those listening, I'm, I want to be very careful in how I articulate this and how we articulate this because we're not going to heaven. We're bringing heaven to earth. And so this isn't uh, our sojourning, our alien capacity in this world is not just so we can get through this world to get out of it. Holiness is all about living that future kingdom into this world because Mm -hmm. this world then becomes redeemed through the kingdom principles. This is Mm -hmm. holiness. Holiness is transformational. It's always transformational, never separational. Mm -hmm. Separational is not a word. I just made that up. (laughs) And and so what I was kind of where I was going with this is that so two parts to what we we're trying to tackle is one how do we see this wow. yeah. this struggle in our lives but then how do we also see the struggle kind of in the big C church because it's out there mm-hmm. and I've been a part of it but then also after that like how do we see it but then also we identify the problem because it exists but then what is the solution mm-hmm. right and so so what's the problem you know, I think for, you know, and not to go crazy on this because I, like I usually do in private conversation, but I think there's just a huge disparity between what the church, um, as you read it in scripture and, and then as it's acting itself out nowadays. And we seem to have a, either a lack of understanding or we're just moving further and further away from traditional, you know, the foundational core beliefs, right? Using that as an anchor to be swayed by the spirit, you know, and I just, I, I just don't see. And so it's caused, it's caused frustration in my life because, you know, for a long time, you know, being going through what I've gone through and, you know, being in bound, I think, you know what I mean? And nobody likes slavery, you know, and it's just like for years and years and years, when the church is telling me one thing, but in my life, it's even when I'm practicing, even though I was on drugs or doing these, these crazy things, I was still trying to practice and maintain, you know, some sort of, you know, I'm using air quotes here, Christianity in my life, you know, which the church is telling me, Hey, do this or do this or do that. Or here's truth. Here's truth. Here's truth. But what I know of the truth is that the truth sets you free. And if Mm -hmm. I wasn't free, then those truths that they, they were telling me, I don't know. I don't. Are they half truths, or were they not completely revealed, or what was going on? Yeah, and so, just, just as you're as you're giving this explanation, I just had this image of, uh, you know, a child playing at a at a playset, and they've got plastic hammers and plastic screwdrivers and plastic wood, and you're like, oh look, he's acting like he's a carpenter, mm-hmm. rather than actually being a carpenter. And I think that sometimes we are doing things. It's like we're trying to imitate the scripture of how the church was rather than 
actually be transformed by the Holy Spirit. And then that's a natural outflow of what the church is. So it's like home groups. Well, we got to have a house group program. Well, that was that was a natural byproduct of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came and there were people saved. So what was the next thing that they naturally did by coming to Christ was, well, then they gathered together. Right. So it's. Well, they gathered in homes, so let's gather in homes. Well, right, and it was a fire, man. I mean, that was a fire, right? And so, and fire comes from revelation, and it's you know that rev- that revealing, that coming down of God and man. I mean, I, that's all they wanted to do all the time. Like that's what I that's what I want. You know what I mean? Well, well, yeah. you know, like I I just don't. Uh, There's man. nothing wrong with home groups. No, no. But, but what's the motivation? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is it a growth strategy in terms of the church, or is it a growth strategy in terms of the Christian? Right. You know, and that's what we're going for. Holiness is about growing up. You know, sometimes I want to say to the church, and sometimes a lot of times it needs said to me is grow the heck up, man. (laughs) Um, You know, this is what holiness is, is grow up. Amen. I like, yeah, like there's a comes a time when the child of God has to become a man of God or a woman of God, you know, like, oh, we're just children of, well, yeah, but we've got to advance in that, right? Well, and. Galatians, uh, Galatians. I, I've been I've been reading Galatians um, the last few days, and Paul tells them, you know, this was revealed to you by the Spirit. What happened to you happened because of the Spirit, and you came to life. And it's almost like he's saying, "I was there, man. I saw it. Yeah, you came to life." Um, now, what has happened? He calls. He says, <laughs> ironically, he says, uh, "Those dogs have <laughs> have uh, have snuck back in." They've perverted this, and now you're yeah. crawling back into the same divisions, the same old structures, the same yeah. traditions that you've been always you've always been doing. Who and has bewitched you? He says. Who has bewitched you? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he called them mutilators of the flesh because uh, because they were saying, you know, if you want to become a Christian, you need to look like a Jew, and in order to look like a Jew, you got to be circumcised. I mean, the Bible talks about this a lot, an uncomfortable Is, amount. It, does that fall into pragmatism? Do these things to reach this end. Yeah. Do these things. If if you want to be a Christian, man, if you want to look holy, you got to look like me. Never mind what does Jesus look like. You got to look like me. You got to vote like me. You got to dress like me. You got to think like me. You've, you've got to look like me. If you want to look like Jesus, look like me first. And that's what the church has done. Um, you talk about the play acting. You know, this is what we're doing is... When we don't know what else to do, we do what we've we do what we've always done, and uh, so there's a big difference then between converting to culture, Christian culture, and converting and to Christianity. And that's what I was thinking too. There, which is you know we have um, or kingdom. You know, I I, I find it very uh, kind of disconcerting how 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 often we just kind of let the world creep into the church, you know, and let the impurity, you know, you know, uh, take away from the purity of the bride. And so these things that we adapt, these concepts that we adapt, the philosophies, even, uh, you know, Platonic thought, Mm -hmm. Jeff and I had been thinking about this Platonic thought. Yeah. Platonic thought is, is inundated in everything. It's starting to, you know, try to, yeah, exactly. Logic, reason, logic, and these kind of things, which are, which are good things, you know, as far as I mean, for the I don't know, they're not good for the church. You know what I mean? And I I think that we've done. We just kind of we put on these these masks of Christianity. My 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 
my fear for myself is that I am playing myself because the heart is deceitful above all things. Mm. And so am I really, I want to know, you know what I mean? I want to know that, that, that I don't just, that I'm not being a Pharisee or that I'm not, that I'm not playing this thing out. I don't want to go and see Jesus and say, man, I didn't know you, Mm. you know, and even the people that said, but I prophesied in your name, you know what I mean? And, and that's, that's like, to me is the hardest verse in scripture. And so I want to know that I'm, that I'm, that I'm that I'm doing this right. That we're doing this right. That the church is doing this right. You know, and I just it seems to me, especially in the Western church, it's just it's just so much false teaching and so much. You know, we just let whoever you know, and it says to test the spirits. Test test who tells you these things. You know, test test it against you know not only the word, the the written word, the scripture, but test it. Go to prayer about it, you know, these kind of things. And I think we just kind of accept everything as truth, you know, when we shouldn't be accepting everything as truth because there's going to come a day when there's somebody that comes that's going to deceive even the brothers, you know what I mean? Even the many brothers are going to fall away and they're going to be deceived by this guy. So why are we so lackadaisical? about the teachings in our church when there's going to be somebody that's going to lead even the hard, the hardest core brothers astray. And I don't want to be one of those brothers. Casey's, you know what I mean? Casey just got on one. No, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but as far as holiness, ma'am, living separate, living like what, Je- what pastor Jeff was talking about, living in a different reality, not this one, because this isn't even the true reality. This is, you know, this isn't even a shadow, you know what I mean? Of, of, of what's, what it's really going to be like. And, you know, no eye has seen man, mm-hmm. you know, or ears heard. If you wait, you know? if you wait to get to heaven, to act heavenly, you'll never see heaven, <laughs> the kingdom of God. And I don't mean that in, in a distant future, I'm, I'm getting out of here kind of mentality, but we've waited too long to act holy for when we get to heaven, mm-hmm. um, stupid. Um, we're, I mean, it, well, and we talk about holiness. You got to talk about relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what it boils down to. You got to talk about Trinity. You have to talk about personal relationship. Where do we fit in there? You know, I had, and, and the church, where does the church fit in this? I was meeting with a couple this week, pastoral role, and their marriage is in shambles. Um, and uh, they're still fighting, and that's good. It's when they stop fighting and they stop talking that things get bad. Um, so they're still fighting, so, so it's good. But um, one of the things she said, and we were in the room together, um, the three of us, one of the things she said is, um, she said, we have no relationship. The only thing we have is sex. And I think sometimes this is what we've done in the church, Ooh, yeah. is we've treated our contrived worship services like good sex and so I'm going to come and I'm going to get fed I'm going to get my needs met on a day but beyond that I have no real relationship Jeff come on right and that's and I sometimes and it's harlotry it's harlotry in the church Um, we've pimped out our worship services in that sense and uh I don't know I that holiness is the relationship they have no marriage Oh, they pretend they do things that married people do, but they have no marriage. And we've, we've done that in the church. Yeah, yeah that's good. That's yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that just, I've got nothing. <laughs> I mean, what do you say to that? I mean, how true is that though? And J- you know, I, and Jason knows that this is something that I, that I feel passionately about too, is worship being, you know, uh, 
exp- you know, just like feelings, yeah, yeah, feelings, yeah. and 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 certainly the Holy Holy Spirit does evoke well, feelings. But to say, you know, and I think that we're doing people an injustice when we say, well, this is the Holy Spirit. Your feelings of oh, you know, because music is a powerful thing, and you know, mm-hmm. I can make you laugh, cry, mad. I can make you, you know, jam out. I can make you feel chill. I can make you. I can. I can manipulate you to do anything with music. Mm-hmm. And so when you're using, you know, crescendos and decrescendos and all these different things, and you're saying that that's the Holy Spirit, I think that there's a huge problem with that, you know, and and a huge problem with saying that, that because when when the times when you don't feel the Holy Spirit, these times when you're in your you bed and, and you're and you're laying awake at night and, and the, you don't feel happy and giddy and oh that's not you know where's the holy spirit now i think we're doing the you know the people an injustice by telling them that that's the holy spirit and by saying look you know this this is the way you're supposed to be feeling when the holy spirit is around whatever you know and and certainly it's not wrong to praise the lord but man i just think that we're falling into and even the even the music that we do you know it's my opinion right that as christians as if you're doing something and the holy spirit is going through you moving through you it should be the best that it has ever been and there should be nothing like it but we're doing what the world is doing as far as music and far and and then converting that to the church and and you know i, I just feel that even in our our services they should be separate, completely separate, because we are not, you know, of the world anymore, you know. And I think that we're just act, we're we're just keep on keeping on in the worldly views and the world traditions, and you know, and even I mean, you just see like we we were talking about just the phil- the philosophies of the world, the the thought of the world, the ration the reason, you know, since when has God ever been rational or reasonable to anybody? It's not rational, and it's it's completely irrational. I was you know I was talking to. A pastor in uh, Hastings, Nebraska. His name's Andy Springer. He's at Gospel Community Church. Shout out to Andy. And uh, we were just kind of having this conversation about, and it's something that the Lord has just been, you know, I've been having more and more conversation about this kind of thing recently. And it's Hebraic or he, the way Hebrews think or thought versus Greek mentality and thinking. And so, in scripture, it tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And talking about being holy, we're a people of faith, right? And so we don't live by sight. We live by faith. It's belief. It's the hope of, right? What does it say in Hebrews 11? Is it 11 one? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the things not yet seen, right? And so there's a, and let me use a big word that some people might not understand, but there's there's an existentialism that exists there. Something outside of mind and logic and reason. There's a, right? So talking about man being three parts, mind, body, and spirit, we function within our consciousness, in our mind. We have thought, will, emotions, reason, logic, all those things. And we have a body, right? But then there's the spirit. And so if we don't have Christ, we are dead in our spirit. That's where the death happened, right? In the beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, they died. Well, they didn't die in their body, and their consciousness didn't go away. Where did they die? They died in their relationship with with God. Mm -hmm. And so that's where death happens. That's where we're dead, but then we come to life, and so we're alive in our spirit. The Holy Spirit comes, and we're regenerated. We're given new life. Many man is in Christ. He's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come, right? So then now we have this, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. And so now we eat from the tree of life. So we're going to live eternally. Right. But so 
there's a certain existentialism that happens. There's not Adam and Eve didn't, you know, they didn't die in their mind. They didn't die in their reason. They didn't lose their logic. So then how are we trying to come to an understanding of God through reason and logic when it happens and existentially trying to, and trying to redeem our life it's, through, through th- this was not revealed to you by man. This was revealed to you by God, the father, the Holy spirit came in. And so living a holy life, there's a, there's a, the, it's the Holy spirit that comes from the outside to the inside. So what you're talking about is when we're trying to agitate or stimulate mm-hmm. the senses, the mind, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there, there are, there are certain sermons that I listen to sometimes I've told you this, that stimulates my mind and stimulates my reason, my logic and, and stimulates my will. Your sermon can stimulate my will, mm-hmm. right? But without the Holy Spirit's conviction and leading and guiding and power for transformation and sanctification, it is there's is not going to be any change. All it is is a high. I'm just getting excited mm-hmm. about the possibility of being a new person. Yeah, right. it's a fix. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a high. It's a fix. Um, and and sometimes it appeals to you. It appeals to flesh. Like, well, I can get excited about that. Yeah, and that's and that, that's what I, I I have a grave fear of that as well. Like, we are so overstimulated in our in our culture. It is. I mean. It's all, all of it's now, 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 give me, give, there is no patience. There is no, and you know, I like, I work in trees, you know what I mean? And I, you know, I just, for, for the sake of, you know, drawing a, you know, a picture of this kind of, you know, uh, when you go to a person, you know, generally there's a lot of, you know, guys that don't know what they're doing when they cut trees. And so whenever a customer says, Hey, this is what I want done. They do it, even though it's a wrong practice for that tree, it's not healthy for the tree, but they want they, so our goal is to go to the customers and say, well, what's your goal? What do you, what, what do you want to accomplish? Well, I want this, this, and this, and this. Can you just, you know, tip back off those bottom limbs? No, 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 no. See, this is a thing of patience and time with trees even, you know what I mean? And so all things, man, patience and time, you know, you can't have, you know, you're, you can't accomplish your goals you know, like that. I'm just, you know, saying to these customers, hey, you know, it, you got to have patience. You got to, but there's no patience anymore. There's, a, I want exactly what I want. I want it now. And I don't want to have to wait, you know? And so why, it just, it seems to me that that's, that's, that's a big part of this is the overstimulation and, and just, okay, well, I want to be excited. Otherwise I'm bored, man. You know, it's idolatry. I mean, this is what we're talking about. It's idolatry. Um, I'm convinced more and more that the sin behind all sins is idolatry. Um, it, all the way back to the garden, talk oh, yeah. about talk about the the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Um, it's idolatry. What did she say? It, it, it Eve Eve said she realized it was pleasing to the eye and good for food. Mm. Um, I, I this looks good. Um, it I bet it tastes good, and I want it and. And, and the enemy comes and says, well, don't you know that if you eat this, I mean, God never told you this, but if you eat this, you can be like him, but you don't have to use, but you don't have to go through him. He's not the avenue to becoming like him. You can be God without becoming, without, but, but without we were, through but him. she was already, we were already made in the image right. of God. We were already like him in the first place. So why, you know what I mean? So, and I, I read something very interesting, uh, in that book that we had picked up when we went to seventh, seventh day, uh, it's called, uh, eighth day books. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, not seventh day, eighth day. <laughs> <laughs> seventh day, shout out to library. Uh, shout out, shout out to eighth day. But, there, um, 
this book, I was reading that the original sin came from not receiving, right, with gratitude what was already given, and rather right. taking taking it by right rather than receiving it with gratitude in the in the way that it was meant to be given, you know. And yeah, I, what you were saying, it is idolatry. It is for you know. This is pleasing to my eye. This is pleasing to my taste. What do you here. think of this statement then? In just in response to that, because the tree of knowledge of good and evil were already made in the image of God, but then apparently there was more knowledge to gain. But God was there walking with them in the cool of the day. So what more to, they have to know to know God is to be like God? Absolutely. Um, again, the relationship, and what more could they have wanted than what God was offering and what God had already given them? The only knowledge they were lacking is what life was like without God. Well, we we found that out. Yeah, <laughs> we figured that one out. Thanks um, that's, a lot. At this point, at this point, that's the one thing we know for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we know how that looks, um, and the knowledge that we've gleaned from that moment is profound. It's it's. This is the kingdom that we live in now. Um, and so uh, the enemy had figured that out, and that was the delusion that he sold to both Adam and Eve. And um, and so that was the knowledge that they were missing, and the knowledge was the experience. And you talk about it, the experience of being outside of the relationship. Now we look at the church, and what are we trying to do? We're trying to recapitulate the experience, the experience. and And we're settling for for secondary and not even secondary, we're set, settling for cheap substitutes. Um, this is this is why holiness is at its essence relationship. If we don't talk about holiness and relationship, then we've got nothing. Man, we can talk about the the mechanics, the logic, the reasoning of holiness, um, and that's what religion is. And and there is a place, there the is law. a time, yeah, the law. Um, and the law has its purpose. Um, you, you know, again, Paul in Galatians says that the law came um, and imprisoned us, mm. um, imprisoned everything under sin, 322, I believe. He imprisoned everything under sin. And I've been wrestling with that verse. Um, and there's not an English translation in that I've read, and I read a, a bunch of them, that translates that verse the same. So obviously we've struggled with that verse. Um, that that we are imprisoned, um, we've been imprisoned um, uh, through Scripture, everything um, under sin. And so I was like, what, what does that mean? Well, then later he talks about how uh, it's almost like an incarceration and that the law is a warden for us, working like a warden in this prison. Um, here we are, we're stuck, we're bound by this law, but the law comes as, as a warden and and I was like, you know, and, and you read Paul sometimes and you go, see the law, antinomianism, the law needs thrown out. We need to throw out the law. That is not what Paul was saying. He wasn't saying get rid of it. What he was saying is that the law kept you from being lost entirely. Mm-hmm. It brought limits. When you incarcerate someone in prison, it's not that, yeah, it's not that they you take away the 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 sins that they've committed, the crimes that they've committed. It's that you're keeping them there so they don't commit any more, yeah. so that wow. so that when their parole is up, wow. 
there there is some freedom that can be had and and so the law is there in a way to keep us from completely losing ourselves completely wow. from losing that like, image of like god like the nations surrounding the jews in the old testament right right that's we're going to hem you in so that you're you're not and so that that's why the law came and so it served that purpose but it says it kept you galatians 3 again that the law kept you until the day of christ so why do you keep crawling back into the same prison the same incarceration you're free it's for freedom that you've been set free right you know again galatians yeah. This, yeah. do you remember um you remember this scene uh, this is not an endorsement necessarily. Do you remember the scene from Shawshank Redemption God, I love that movie. when they were talking about um, institutionalization? Uh-huh. Um, old Brooks, right? Yeah. Brooks had gone out, man. He got out, and this was all he knew. And he was somebody in prison. Right. He got out. He got out of the prison. All of a sudden, he lost himself. He was nobody. Um, it, it always Brooks, if you remember, was the librarian mm-hmm. in the prison. And there was one comment that Morgan Freeman said, and he said, man, he couldn't even get a book, a library card outside of this prison. He was somebody in prison. He lost himself outside of prison. And, and part of what they were saying was, and we're the same way. This is what the church is. Part of, part of it is, is we experience this freedom and it scares the crap out of us. And so what do we do? And we sabotage and we want to feel like the God, you know, that back to the garden. Um, don't you know you can be like God? Well, the only place I felt like God was when I was in charge of my life, Ooh. even though I was doing a horrible job at it. Yeah. So I'm going to crawl back into yeah. that slavery, um, that incarceration, yeah. and I'm back under the law. Yeah. But at least I have some sort of control sure. over my own life. Well, let me idolatry. Yeah, let me tell idolatry. you a little story then. Just based on that, and gosh, all that I just sparking so much thought in me, but I, I kind of want to re- reel it in. But in that same vein, basically, what we're talking about is finding your identity is in one thing, but then when you find freedom in Christ, you find true identity. But it's so much easier to crawl back to the previous identity, right? When you're not so comfortable or familiar with the new identity, right? And so kind of my story is and to you know try and do this in as little time as possible but no we can keep i i I know i i grew up in the church from womb to pew as they say and i know casey uses the same phrase and so um i grew up in the church was born into the church and i just remember reaching a point when i was like a teenager and sitting in in a seat at a real big church a mega church in houston sitting there and looking at this pastor on stage and he's teaching. And I remember just weeping. I couldn't keep the tears back. And I was like, what is wrong with me? You know? And, and, uh, and I knew that God wanted to use me to, you know, to build this kingdom. Like the thought that I had was I want to grow up and be a man of God. But as I had that thought, I looked at the guy on stage and I said, if I can just be like him, if I can just reach that. Right. And so, Lo and behold, 2010, I move here and then I become a campus pastor of a church. And so I've reached the pulpit, right, amongst doing many other things as a church planner. But here I am in the pulpit. And so for, you know, for these next three years, I'm in ministry. I have a title. I have a role um, and I have a I have a task. 
and a goal. So everything about me is trying to reach this goal and do these tasks and fill this role and be this person and live up to this title. Right. And so what happens after just a certain amount of time, the Lord leads us in a different direction. And so when I, when I stopped leading that congregation, I had about a three month span of not preaching every Sunday, not setting up church, not doing counseling, you know, not doing all these duties and tasks that I had. Dead guy duties. What's that? Dead guy duties. Dead guy duties. Is that a joke? From Nacho Libre. Oh, yeah. Dead, yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, keep going. And and so so what happened was I went I went through this brief time of of lack of identity. And so my identity was held up in what I was doing for God, not who I was in Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal. It is a and I deal. think that for a lot of guys have great hearts. You know, I, I would have never questioned my motives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have never questioned my own motives I didn't back then. No one questioned our motives. We seem like stand-up guys who are really desiring to to do things for the Lord. And, and But what I can tell you is I... I did not have the identity in Christ then that I have in Christ now. And that's what holiness is also is identity in Christ because Jesus, you quoted this at the very beginning. Well, didn't I do these things for your kingdom? Didn't we start this church? Didn't we set up and tear down every Sunday morning? Didn't we give our time, energy and effort? Didn't I move here from Houston? Didn't I lay everything down? Didn't I leave mother, father, brother and sister for your kingdom? Didn't I do all these things? And Jesus could very well say, well, away from me. I never knew you. It's all about the knowing Jesus. And so are we trying to talk about assimilation and and setting apart? Are we trying to move people into a church culture? where they're doing certain things to look like they're a part of the kingdom rather than introducing them to relationship with Jesus yeah. and they really are a part of the kingdom. Right, and, and exactly, and that's through the Holy Spirit. You know, I I heard a quote from Leonard Ravenhill, awesome pastor, I don't know if you ever listened to him, but he said mm-hmm. he said that, you know, he just said something to me that blew my mind. He said 80% of the, no, wait, it was Tozer. Yeah, it was Tozer that said 80% of the churches can can keep functioning and not even have the Holy Spirit there and not even know it. You know, the churches are self-reliant. So what you're saying, yeah, in that the doing, the culture, setting up this machine, right, oiling this machine, and it runs itself eventually. You know what I mean? It starts with this fire. It starts with, oh, man, I got a mission from God. Let's go out there and do it and do it. And then all of a sudden it starts taking on, you know, and it just starts pumping itself, and you're not, you know what I mean? And you're sooner or later you're just blowing and going, and you don't even know that your relationship is suffering you know, and you're just, you don't know, you don't, you don't know, you, you know don't sometimes. realize we're so, what why? Because we're so distracted, so focused on what we're on, on the task rather than the task master. You know well, what I mean? It's so easy to fall back on your works and say, well, I, man, I spent all that time trying to build the kingdom for God. Aren't I worthy? Yeah. And in the end, man, if it wasn't born of God, he says all the works of man, he's going to test it all with fire and whatever was of God is going to remain. The rest of it's going to go. So all this stuff that you were doing, all this stuff that I've been doing, man, the stuff that was from me that I was like, oh, this is from God, but was really from me. That's going to get burnt up right before my eyes. And I'm going to have a real realization in that day. Dang. I was really, I was off, you know, and that's what, that's, and then you'll get a real realization of the grace of God because you'll be saved just as one passing through the flames. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, but scripture yeah. does clear. Yes. We come through the, the flames and, um, and, and, and what remains is from God. 
Um, but he does tell us that we are to build for the kingdom of God. You know, he talks about the wood, hay, and stubble being consumed in the fire, but he also talks about the the precious stones and and the things that those things that he mentions are things that endure fire. Mm-hmm. We actually mm-hmm. are building for an eternal kingdom. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Um, and I think that that's wow. you know you talk about the church. This is where some not sometimes this is where eighty percent, according to Tozer, and I've read that quote too. Um, I, this is where we've gotten it wrong. Is we're we're building our uh, in that it, that was an, an accident, but it's telling our churches, right? We're building our churches um, based on earthly kingdoms. Well, this is a practical way of doing it. This is how you run a company. This is how you organize a board. This is how you do these things. And it makes good practical sense. The problem is, is we're modeling off of this kingdom when we're we're participating in a kingdom that's completely upside down. And that's, that's the key is... Casey's pulling his hair yeah. out right now. Uh, yeah, no, I just... I heard Tower of Babel, man. So, what, okay, so check it out. Is, is it any wonder why we're so separated and so and so different right now, dispersed, and the church in the West can't make? Because we've been building, right, our way to God. And what does God do when that happens, man? He's separated. You know, he caused that separate. He caused the, 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 the separation. So, you know what I mean? Because we, we're building out of our own works and our own hands. You know what I mean? And is it any wonder why we're separated right now and, and, and we're not unified, right? We're not unified in, in, in things is because we've been building, right? You're saying I'm building our church. Sorry, I just, I, yeah. I, I, for some reason that blew That's my mind. That's interesting. But, yeah. uh, go ahead, Jeff. Well, no, I, you're, you're exactly right. Cause, um, and what did God do at the tower of Babel is he confused, he confused them. Uh, he confused their languages. He confused them. And, um, and, the reason he did that was less that less they would accomplish what they set out to do, which was build a tower that would get to God. Were they ever going to get to God? Well, no. But sometimes we build these towers and they become gods for us. And we get Ooh. this sense in our mind that, hey, I, I did it. I, I accomplished it. Um, again, it goes back to the idolatry mm-hmm. um, and our churches. Uh, so what's what's the measure of our churches? Is it... Is it numbers? Well, look, I built a kingdom, and obviously people are coming, so I must be doing something right. Or is it is it a hot band? Well, look, we we put together great talent, and and people are jamming, so obviously I'm doing something right. You know, is it a, is it good preaching or popular preaching, um, tickling our ears? Well, well, look, man, I I can I can whiten my teeth and get the perfect hairdo and wear and wear the right clothes and you know and 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 say things You're that make perfect you feel the way good. you are jeff well, i think that's it's a good thing this is being recorded audibly and not <laughs> visually um but you know i i mean and and as a preacher man i get i get those moments yeah i mean it's yeah pride it's ego it's all of those mm-hmm. things i get it i i will never I, i'll be honest with you i will never listen to this particular episode of this podcast because i hate the sound of my voice i'm a preacher man i hate the sound of my voice um it's vanity it's it's all of these things and we can get the people we, you can get the right people in you can get the the best orators you can do all of that um it's wood hay and stubble yeah. um it'll, it'll be consumed and we're building the wrong kingdom 
identity. You keep you talk about identity, who we are. We keep we keep building a kingdom based on who I think I am and who I think I want to be. Mm. Um, here's the thing: is and this is what terrifies us in terms of holiness. Is I'm crucified with Christ. I lose my identity. Yeah. And that terrifies us because we think if we lose our identity, then we're becoming less. And and there's a sense if you want to become more, you've got to become less. I mean, that's that is how it works. It is an upside down kingdom. We can strike that from the That record. was my phone ringing. <laughs> um, it is a it is an upside down kingdom. It, by the way, if you're going to go to church tomorrow, this is Saturday. If you're going to go to church tomorrow, mute your stinking phones. Um, but <laughs> yes. but uh, uh, but you know we can we can build that kingdom. Um, we can build that kingdom to look like us, and and it will feel very successful. Yeah. Um, but the the identity that we have in Christ in losing ourselves is terrifying. But the reality is, if if anyone will lose his life, Jesus said, for my sake, then then you're going to find it. Yeah. Um, the new identity is so much more. Um, we don't lose to become less. We lose to become more. And that's the part we struggle with. But it's terrifying because. Yeah. It is an unknown. It's the principle of the seed. Unless the wheat dies, right? And yeah, falls to the ground. Yeah. yeah, so it's there's a death. So my question then Within the context of holiness is the how. Like what so so we've we've talked about, you know, and shed light and on on things and I think I believe you know that the Holy Spirit is moving right now. I really do, man. And I and and so we're. I think that He's going to be set shedding light on things. And man, everything that's illuminated becomes a light. You know, mm-hmm. and so we're we're called to shine that light. And so we're illuminating now, right? But how? But now, what's illuminate on? Where can we go from here? How, how can we change? How can we we push forward and push back? And you know. And Jason knows, and Pastor Jeff knows, and just from private conversations with me, that that man, I, you know, I'm not satisfied. You know what I mean? And I don't think that, you know, that that's right for me. You know, that could be it. Could be because I'm not, you know, being satisfied and being content where I'm at, right? But but for the most part, I, I, there's there's a churning, there's an awakening, and we were talking about this in the last one. There's an awakening that's happened, man. People are waking up and realizing in this place, man. Look, this is not, this is not setting me free this is not you know pushing me forward in the right direction this is not you know receiving you know some backlash from the world and it's it's you it's apparent through the scripture that wherever god is it receives backlash from the world and but we're trying to make friends here you know what i mean and not i'm not saying don't be friendly with the world i'm just saying we're trying to shake the hand and lay in the same bed with them man and that's just not the way mm-hmm. it is so so where do we go how do we push forward you know and and question these things that have, have been you know these false doctrines and these false teachings you know what well, i mean I, that have come through and plagued our lives right and and enslaved us even more because we're operating not in truth because those things aren't truth and you know if it's not truth it'll keep you bound and so where can we go how can we put, go yeah, forward let me you know? let me speak to that um, I was reading just a couple of days ago, and actually about two or three weeks ago, I, I read from, taught from Revelation 3, and I'm going to Revelation 3.20. And, and, and so here's the question, like, Jesus addresses the church in Revelation. Jesus himself, I mean, he shows up, right, in, in this vision, 
in Revelation that John sees, Jesus is addressing the, the issues of the church. And that's what we need. Like, we recognize some things that we feel that are out of whack. Yeah. You know, we do. And, and I think that lines up. You know, it lines up. It's There's just an unrest. There's something going on. You know, prophets came in the name of the Lord and, and God gave them words to speak to the people to 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 get them back on track. And the message was um, repent. It was always repent, you know, always, and yeah. it, it's always repent. It's always turn back to me, turn back to me. And Jesus does the same thing in Revelation when he speaks to the churches and he does it specifically in, in Revelation and then 320. Right. He's talking to the church of Laodicea or however you say that. Laodicea, yeah. And then, so he says um, in verse 17, gosh, it's harsh. Scripture's good for teaching, rebuking, correcting. And let me tell you, if if you don't experience the scripture in those four contexts, then you're not, you're not experiencing, experiencing the scripture. scripture. <laughs> you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are a wretched, pitiful, poor, Blake, blind, and naked I thought great Jesus was full of grace and mercy. Why is he talking like this to me, though? Well, you know, brother, <laughs> I just, I must have a different version than people are reading. Right? Sorry, that was facetious. I counsel you. It, I need counseling. Mm. Jesus says, I'm going to counsel you, and here's what you do. Wonderful counselor. That's the, the wonderful Spirit. counselor. I counsel you. Well, what do I do? I counsel you to buy for me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Well, what do we have that is enough to purchase gold from Jesus? What was he saying here? Right? It It's a gift. It's Christ. Come to me. Just it's It's come to me. It's don't try and buy gold don't try and build something that's going to stand the test on your own apart from me apart from me you can do nothing right so we're talking about building something that lasts gems and gold jesus has come to me in relationship is where you're going to find how you're going to build something that's going to last right Come to me and I'll give you white clothes to wear. I'm your righteousness. Right. So put on the righteousness. Put on the of righteousness of God. Paul was saying, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, clothe yourselves. Yeah. yeah. So you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see, right? He He's going to give us a way that we can have our eyes healed because we're seeing things through the wrong lens right. and we're seeing things through the kingdom of the world, not through the kingdom of God. And then he says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. It's always about repentance. And so he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So here's the interesting thing about this. And I didn't gather this on my own. I found this in study. But um, Jesus is talking to the church about their issues. But then when he invites you, when he he gives a solution, his invitation is individual. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And so the healing of the brokenness of the church happens on an individual basis in relationship with Christ. Right. The, the, the body is only as healthy as the individual. Yeah. So to remedy the church as a whole, it has to, to try and remedy the church as a whole is futile, mm -hmm. but to try and remedy the individual, it's my job and your job to change. point people to deeper intimate relationship with Jesus. And that causes naturally the change in the body, right? So the more, the more body parts that are, that are awakening, that are, 
coming to this realization that are walking into relationship. And it's interesting that he says, open the door. Not Jesus is the door. All you have to do is open it. That's mm-hmm. it. All yep. you have to do is turn that knob and open it. He is the door. He is the way. He is the reason. He's everything. He's everything. He is the payment. He is all of these things that he's talking about. He is the salve for our eyes. He opens our eyes, right? And in, when we see God, like Isaiah, behold, I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted. When you mm-hmm. see it, that puts the rest of your life into perspective. Yeah. When you see God for who he is, that's when things start changing in your life. Because when you take your eyes off yourself, you take your eyes off the culture, you take your eyes off those closest, my friends, my my wife, all these things. When when Jesus is the focus and my side is open, that's the revelation, right? That's the thing that changes a man, that changes the inside, that, that, that causes everything to melt away. And whoa, here I am, you know what I mean? Wow, I'm in a relationship. And all we have to do is open the door. You know, and, and I just I just found that really interesting. But hold on, I'm standing at the door, but he is the door. You know yeah, I mean? he is, yeah, yeah, he's everything we need all the time. And so, rather than trying to, rather than trying to disciple people into church culture, we need to dis- disciple people in Christ and, and into Christ. holy living in Christ. Yeah. Well, and part of the holy living in Christ is it is people are transformed. A person is transformed. But that transformation is only realized in community with other with other people. Right. Yeah. And so it's not being transformed by the world. It's being transformed. It's 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 becoming transformational in the world. Mm. We become the transformational aspect, Um, the repentance, the changed life, the holiness. That is, yes, this is a Jesus and me kind of thing. However, if our faith is lived out as just Jesus and me, it is not true faith. Um, we, we do not, and we need to define what the church is. When we say church, <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. Um, because it's important because I'm going to say this and people are going to hear the wrong thing yeah. entirely. Um, but let me say it and then I'll, I'll backtrack. Um, the church does not save you. You do not come to the church to get saved. Um, and whatever that means, being saved. Um, by the way, this is a side note. Being saved is not what you do at an altar. Being saved is what you do every day of your life. It is, it's the ongoing relationship. You don't come and get saved. You are saved. Being saved it's yeah. being saved. Yeah, you are receiving the goal of your faith. Act of ongoing, the, the salvation of your souls, First Peter. Yeah. Um, but in this sense... Yes, there is there is the personal, individual transformation, but it is lived out in community. If you if if you are apart from community, um, you're not in Christ. Uh, just plain and simple. You find me one one part of the Bible that that isolates us from the community that is the body of Christ. And so, while you can't go to the church to be saved, you cannot be apart from the church and continue to be saved. That's right. Um, and and by church, I do not mean a building. I do not mean a denomination. I do not mean a a, a particular organizational structure. I mean the body of Christ. And this is why whenever we talk about the church, we need to be careful. Um, we, um, we step lightly. And, and, and the church as it is deserves rightly the criticisms that we bring. And the reality is, is each of us has been a part of the criticisms That's that right. we're bringing. Yeah, um, we've absolutely. contributed to yes. it in some, Me too. in some fashion. Um, but we step lightly at the same time because 
the church also is the bride of Christ. And man, I know my bride, I know my wife is not perfect. I, I know that. But I don't need you to tell me. <laughs> right? Well, and we might just need to scrub the last yeah. 40 minutes. <laughs> well, but... But it's the same thing. Now, we're part of the bride of Christ. Yeah. We're part yeah. of that. And so what we're saying is, as part of the bride of Christ, we're saying, man, we've got we've to get ready for yeah. our bridegroom. Yeah. That's what we're saying. But Amen. I, I don't want to give the impression that we're standing back and we're pointing our finger at Christ's bride and going, man, he really picked a loser. Yeah. Because yeah. That's, that's not what we're doing we're at not, all. We're not on the outside looking down. And yeah. saying you need to get it right. We're a we part are, of it. We are right. inside we, we looking at we, each other. Yeah. yeah. Standing at, shoulder to shoulder, looking eye to eye. Yeah, I mean we're we're the bride standing in front of the mirror going, I've got a goiter on the side of my face. You know? <laughs> uh, we gotta do something about that. Yeah. And so that's we need to prepare for right. the wedding feast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I you know, don't I, I don't want anyone to hear this and say, Well, it's it's Jesus and me. Well, yeah, but if you if, if it's only ever always Jesus and you, you've missed it, and it's not Jesus and you at all. There was always community was always part of the plan for the Christian, That's right? For the believer, That's and right. that again, that just takes us back to being made in the image of God. He exists, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in That's perfect yep. relational love, intimate community, and has created us the same way. That's holiness. Mm. Um, we talk. We talk a lot. That that in a nutshell is holiness. We talk an awful lot about this idea that, and it's all throughout Scripture. If you look at a single attribute all throughout Scripture that characterizes God above all others, you will find um, you will find that this concept of holiness rises to the surface in in sheer volume. Right, God is holy. Isaiah six, you mentioned earlier, yeah. holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Yeah. Uh, the whole earth is full of His glory. Um, so we talk about holy. The problem is that holy is always God. Very rarely ever says, "I'm holy." Oh, there's instances, but the preponderance of the scriptural moments of holiness is us recognizing you are holy. God is holy. Mm. So it's my perspective of God. Part of this aspect of holiness is there is an otherness to God. Yeah, he's holy, and it's us recognizing when we say God is holy, we're saying he's other. He's other. Yeah, yeah. he's otherly. Yeah. He's not me. And so, so then I have to ask the question. Then, okay, so if God is holy, and we're to be a holy people, and and there's this otherness aspect, but it's a relational. It's my perspective of God recognizing that there's this difference. There's this dichotomy of sorts. Um then what was God before I was, before creation? <laughs> yeah. If God is holy and it's a relational aspect and it's me ascribing to God holiness, then when I wasn't around or humanity wasn't around, then how did God enact his holiness? Because it's almost like you need the other in order to be holy. Um, and so what you find is this triune aspect, this relational aspect. Holiness then becomes love because... It's the giving and receiving. This is what holy means. Because before I was there to say God is holy, God existed in three persons, one God. 
expressing love to the one, one another, God to uh, God the Father to the Son, and the Son uh, to the Father, and the Spirit mm-hmm. enveloping the love aspect itself. And so when we say God is holy, what we're saying is God is love. So then when God says you are to be a holy people, a royal priesthood, what he's doing is he's inviting us into that triune aspect of him. We get to, we're enveloped in the relational aspect of a holy other God, but we're invited into this through the Spirit. Um, my favorite model of, of, um, of the Trinity is Augustinian. And, um, and, and, and I know I'm paraphrasing, um, but, but St. Augustine taught us that, um, of course, love is always directional. Love always points in a direction. Love is never it turned inward. Love is always turned outward. Okay. Um, and, and so God the Father loves God the Son. And so here's the lover, the Father. Here's the loved, the Son. But then the love shared between them is personified in the Holy Spirit. And so now here's the sacred dance occurring, and we are invited right into the middle of it. This is what it means to be made in the image of God. This is why holiness, apart from community, is, is heresy. This is why Christianity, apart from community, is heresy. Um, and this is the essence of holiness. It's relationship. Wow. Sorry, that was a sermon. Ouch. <clears throat> yeah. No, it's good. It, and, you know, and that's certainly, you know, I could use more of that in my life, you know. And, like, and the community aspect, the relational aspect, you know, don't forsake the assembly, right? As some are in the habit of, of yeah. doing because yeah. there's, uh, there's, where's the fruit in that, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and the fruit that grows in our lives is to be shared with others so that they can taste and see that the Lord is mm-hmm. good. And we taste together the whole, the fruit in Jason's life is shared with me. The fruit mm-hmm. with my life is shared with you. The fruit in your life is being shared with us right now and it's blessing us. And so this sharing that we're experiencing right now is creating a blessing yeah. over us and in us. And it's causing yeah. encouragement. It's causing so, our spirits to well up. It's cause mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, and the community, why are, and I, I, told Jason this one time I think it was one at the exchange one time and it just kind of came to me it occurred to me you know the sheep the sheep that is away from the flock is the most vulnerable because the wolf goes after the sick and the one that's left out right and so why are we as the flock just coming together once a week and then dispersing for an entire what six six days by ourselves and then wondering why we're getting beat up and torn yeah. apart you know it's because we're not existing in that community and i think that this that this the busyness of life that this is all a satanic system, man. You'll hear me say it, and I'll keep on saying it. Everything around us is a, is a satanic design. It is designed to keep us at all costs from unity. Because if mm-hmm. that and, and that makes right. sense to me now. So if right. if 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 holiness is relationship, then by God, He needs to stop us from being right. unified. Right. He needs to stop us from yeah. being together. There's because so then there will be no holiness, that. and without holiness, no one will see, see the, the Lord. Lord. So if He right. can keep the holiness away and keep us from being together in relationship, relationship in holiness we will not see the lord properly and, and so, if he can give you only he doesn't have a problem giving you jesus as long as it's not a full picture of jesus because a, 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 a fully real a, a picture of jesus that is never fully realized has no power in it. oh yeah, yeah the best lies are half truths exactly and yeah. that's what i was saying the last time is like hey look we're portraying 
and I and I'm guilty of this, man. Sometimes I need to watch what I say, you know. And it's all over Proverbs. Watch what you're saying, you know what I mean? Because yeah. what you say. And so I've been, I've been guilty of this, and even in my own life, is 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 taking half truths or truths that aren't fully met and fully realized, using them as a foundation, and I'm wondering why my house crumbles after a while because I was standing on a truth that was a that was a half truth. But it wasn't a fully realized truth, and so it didn't have the foundation, the holding power that Jesus was talking about when, when the, the waves come. You're standing on half. I was standing on half truths, and this is what I was getting at earlier when I was saying for all for a long period of my life, I kept getting knocked down and knocked down and knocked down and knocked down and wondering because I had been implementing, right, or quote, air quote, implementing by law, my works, right, and, and wondering why I kept getting knocked down is because I wasn't living in fully realized truths. So know? here's... Here's where we here where it comes down and makes sense. So going back to what Jeff was talking about, being invited into that holy community of love, Jesus then tells us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, love others as yourself. To as a as a believer in Christ, as a disciple, a follower, living out kingdom mission, my purpose then is to usher in the kingdom by bringing others into relationship with God and into relationship with us, essentially into the church. Right. So it's all about from, so for, so for God's kingdom to come, his kingdom doesn't come in brick and mortar. It does. It's not manifested through logos and websites. It's manifest through a people group who are fully set on living in daily relationship with God the Father, Christ the Son, and He, Him, the Holy Spirit, loving one another. Right. And receiving, man. And I just, this is what God has been, this has been the story of my life lately, man, is receiving with gratitude as it is given to me, not striving after the wind, not striving to give or to get, to grasp what He is going to freely give me. You know, and operating Amen. from a place of gratitude, right? And what did it say? The disciples, when they when they got together and they shared with true, they were truly thankful. They were truly grateful. And I think you know, the gratitude needs to be at the center of everything that we do. is a is a deep sense of gratitude, and that can only be realized when we yeah, realize a deep sense of God and stop trying to be what we cannot be yet. It's a process. You know, this is a this is a growth. It's patience. It's time. We're not going to be, we are being perfected to be what we already are, which is perfect already. But we're realizing that as we walk through this life, as we're sojourning through, because this is not our final destination, man. This is not the the final realization, but it needs to be accepted and and meditated on. And it's accepting like his date, like the daily bread, like the manna that came to take for only today. Why am I thinking so far ahead? Look at what I've been given right now and, and exist in that. Be in that. Be in that place with Christ. Be in that receiving at all times rather than grasping and taking what he's already going to give me. We're already heirs. We're heirs of Christ. And so the kingdom is ours, right? But as a good father, so Ilana, my daughter, I mean, she, she will get all that Kim and I have. You know what I mean? Everything is hers, to be had just yeah, like the the point. son in the field right the father said everything that i've had is yours 
but what was wrong with the son? There was no relationship from the, from the father. I mean, it said, it sounded like in that moment talking about the prodigal son in that story, it sounded like the only time he'd ever asked the father for the fattened calf was after his brother got the fattened calf, (laughs) but everything he had was already his. And so what you're talking about is receiving what the father gives with gratitude, not striving for it. So like Ilana, I mean, it's like when she turns five years old, five years old, and she has enough sense to, to say, daddy, I want your car. Well, am I going to give my daughter a vehicle? Well, it's yours already, but not yet. And when she is old enough to receive it, I'll give it to her and she'll receive it with gratitude. Right. And so it's not a striving for and trying to get ahead and trying to make this. It's just, it's just living and existing and allowing the love of the father to flow. Right. And it creates an anxiety in us when we, when we strive, strive and we're not meeting that, you know what I mean? We're not meeting what we think we should be. I think that I should be in my life. I should be further along. And I was guilty of this for a long time is not being grateful for where I was at. Mm -hmm. And now being married to my, my beautiful, awesome wife, being uh, a job that I love so much, all these things was never a a manifestation of a moment that I got down and said, you know what, I'm going to stop doing drugs and I'm going to stop and I'm going to start living right. And then I can accomplish. I literally watch when I stopped striving, I watched, Watched God literally just ever so slightly, slowly but surely take me away from the path that I was on. And now I'm on this path and everything he has given me I, is I am so grateful for because I didn't earn it. I, you know, I didn't get it and say, look what I've done. I was just, was I just also, received it, man. You know, there was also on your behalf kind of a, a, there was a surrender that happened. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A surrendering to the fact, man, I can, I can't do this. I can't do it. I can't you know, mm-hmm. and just opened my arms and said, whatever it looks like, whatever, how, however long it takes, even though that process hurts, you know, even though that process was long, you know, the things that I picked up along the way make me who I am now. And that was all part of the plan. You know what I mean? And to, and to surrender and say, whatever, whatever it takes, however long it takes, whatever, I'm open. And then when you, once you start receiving rather than trying to take, well, then all of a sudden things just start, I don't know. It's, it's difficult to explain. It's, you know, and that, and going back to what we're talking about with, you know, holiness and the kingdom and churches, I mean, even churches strive to try and get like, we want to grow. And you said a phrase earlier that can be a can of worms, but you said church growth strategy. And that's a that's a common phrase amongst church planners and in the evangelical circle, church growth strategy. I mean, there are businesses created that exist solely to try and help your church reach 250 people in the next three months. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and the reality is, is I want I want the kingdom of God to grow, Um, you know, and I and and the way that that is manifest right now is through i'm going to some brick and mortar churches honestly um you you can you can grow the kingdom of god and the numbers of your church right. will never change right yep. exactly yeah how about that yep. yeah interesting right it is. i just say your church right i mean you can make you can make a disciple that will never step through the doors of your church. Is it about sure. is it about numbers growth or is it about 
personal growth like we're talking about. It's about, about introducing people into a love relationship with Christ. And that's all that should matter. To exist matter. inside of the body and that's all in that love. should matter. Yes. Um, yes, but, or yes, and. Um, <laughs> you know, I it's... You know, it's it's the mommy and daddy talk um, when two people love each other, you know, and and all of this. Um, but this is this is what you do. I mean, this is um, it's a good metaphor, because if you it's some of its biology, but we're hardwired for this to desire when when we're in the good relationship to desire to reproduce. True. Um, and this is the discipleship aspect is so important, but there is a part where I desire to reproduce. Now, it's not about it's not about reproducing just to see how big of a family I can get, although I've done my my level best. Um, you know, I've got four kids. And so um, but uh, but it's not just it's not this thing. Well, let's see how many kids we can get before uh, enough's enough. Um, it's about reproducing because. Because man, this is great. What we got going is great, and uh, let's get some others. And uh, so, is that a strategy? No, it's completely different. Um, and you don't go. You don't. You know, we talk about going into the world. You don't go if you're not. You, there's no going if you're not growing, right? It, the when it's time for for your kid to leave home, it's because you've grown them so that they're mature enough, hopefully, um, to, uh, to handle that. Um, same as- aspect with the church is you're growing before you're going. Um, and I don't mean growing in numbers. I mean, growing up, grow up. You know, I just want to say that to people sometimes is grow up. And, um, and this is the aspect we, we want so much to grow our churches without having to grow up. up. Mm. Um, and that's what, if we get things in the right order, guess what happens is the local churches are going to grow, but but it's going to be naturally, you know, and that's, I always say that church growth in terms of numbers is like weight loss. If it happens too quick, don't trust it. (laughs) Um, yeah. You know, you've seen the people get a they, blood, get a blood test. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> get your levels checked. Something's wrong. Right. And you've seen them. They, they drop too much weight too quick. And then what happens is you see them in, in eight months, six months, whatever. And they're worse off than what they started. Mm. Um, same thing with the churches, man. If, if a church is booming and it happens instantly, step back for a second and go, wait, 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 something's sure. wrong. And, and the pastor listening to this is going to say, well, what about, Acts chapter two, Dave Pentecost, yeah, three thousand dollars were at three thousand people, number, not three thousand people in one shot. Yeah, what do you say to that? Well, I I say number one is the spirit being poured out in your congregation that way. Um, you know, yeah. can can you stand back and go, man? This was this was a Pentecost. Um, there's only one Pentecost, but this was the spirit coming. Um, can you honestly and would or others do you would say, the body of Christ agree with that? Or would you say, gosh, I'm so glad we spent that $4,000 on that mailer. Right. You know, and it's, it's a double-edged sword because the reality is, is does God's kingdom utilize the tools of yes. this present kingdom? And yeah, yes. it does. Um, we're not throwing stones at all of it, um, but, but when we get it in the wrong order. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it, it's like, again, I keep going back to marriage. Yeah. Anybody with zippers can have kids, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, but, but back in the garden, back in the garden, they said, you know, God said, be fruitful and multiply. 
we've nailed the multiplication aspect. We've missed the fruitful aspect. And this is where the church has gotten it wrong. It's not that God, it's not that God doesn't want us to multiply, but we've got to be fruitful in our lives before we multiply. So we've gotten it wrong in marriage, man. We've, we've, we can have kids. In fact, we applaud this in the world. Um, kids outside of marriage and and we think it's great romans chapter one we're we're oh, giving yeah. we're Everybody, giving all child are but and they are yeah. you know what I mean? yeah. but 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 we've done this in the church essentially um we're producing we're we're multiplying the church without being fruitful in the church and i know we don't say this anymore um but it used to be if you were having kids outside of marriage they were illegitimate kids right they were bastards now we do this in the church. We've bastardized the church in that sense is our fruit is illegitimate because we're multiplying without being fruitful. Mm. And let me just let me go back and just say that I don't assume that every pastor who spends four thousand dollars on a mailer has a <laughs> right. has a bad intention or a bad heart. No. But that's just to say what what is our motive behind it? And I it goes back to this talk on idolatry. Do is a big church even we can idolize the thought of a fruitful church mm-hmm. and still get our eyes off of christ and so man it's easy it is easy. it's so easy it's easy i'm there i mean i get it it's a constant struggle yeah um you know i and i've learned i i've learned from i've learned from the good resources of large churches because you talk about the website who is who's putting out the you know who's putting out the good uh, the good video the the dynamic speaker all of those things it's the ones with the the overhead and so where are the resources where do i where do i glean sometimes i glean from those from those resources mm-hmm. for better or for ill you know i um i followed the ministry of a of of a large church pastor for a while he he planted this church it grew it was phenomenal i loved his preaching he spoke right to me in a sense he was my pastor from a distance for uh, for many years what happened with the organization is it became top heavy it became about the image of the pastor um and um and the church outgrew this particular pastor's leadership and so when he stepped down uh, or honestly kind of lost his position um the whole thing crumbled. Yeah. Um, and that's the multiplication is not the problem. It's the fruitful aspect of it. Are we being fruitful in our ministries? Well, it, it begs the question then, and I've been referring to this, uh, or referencing the sermon from Francis Chan for a while. And if you haven't listened to it, it's really good. It's called if Jesus were the pastor of your church. Yeah. (laughs) Have you heard this? I I've heard bits and pieces. Yeah. So he, he talks about the unstoppable church, right? Right. And so the early church was literally unstoppable. They would be persecuted. They would scatter and they would continue to multiply. It's not, you know, he said, well, they didn't change a service time and lose 50 people. They didn't stop having kids ministry and crumble. They didn't get rid of a dynamic speaker and the church didn't exist anymore. You know, and and obviously that we're not saying the church dissipated and those people really weren't in relationship with Jesus. We're just saying that that particular gathering, but even the gathering of the believers should not be so contingent upon an individual or a program or a time 
or a place. I think we're guilty of, a lot of people are, we're guilty of saying, well, this doesn't really meet the specific, like we have a like some sort of resume that this church needs to fill out for me. You know what I mean? Hey, do you have a good kids ministry? Do you have a good, you know, worship band? Is your worship contemporary or is it hymns? Is your pastor, is he, is he, is he practical or is he this, is he that, is he that? You know what I mean? We have this checklist and all the while we're just kind of slowly but surely we're losing, we're losing, hey, what's this really about? You know, what's this really about? Jesus, you know, about God, about growing in holiness, growing in my personal life, which also should be to benefit the life of those around me. You know, I just think, like I said, we're we're so content, like contingent upon. Let me make a statement. So I went at the the largest gathering I was ever a part of in a lead position you know, occasionally would top 140 or 150 or so. Now, as the source Wichita, yeah. we don't necessarily identify as a like organizational church entity that's programmatic with the lead pastor and weekly teaching. We, we don't identify with that, but we do identify as the body of Christ. Our gathering consists of believers right. who are a part of other ministries and church organizations, but we love each other enough to come together, to worship, to do these different things. In addition to that, what has happened in my life specifically is I've become even more connected with the body of Christ than I was ever connected with the 150 that would gather on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Wow. That's cool though. How about that? Yeah. 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 And you know, the church are, we have what? 15, ish ish faithful people that come every Sunday on a Sunday yeah and however and we're not we're not doing all um, this isn't a plug for us but I'm just saying it's just it's you know Sundays at 5 p.m. at 445 North Market downtown church come check out the source church in a box just add water so I'm saying and watch it grow it's (laughs) it's it's but that's how the body is supposed to function you know Jason was talking very you talk very heavy you want to be a place where people go to get refuge to get fed so that they can continue the ministries that god has called them to right so which is living out in me fleshed out in me just i'm not making it about me i'm just saying as an example i go to the source i play the music there you know jill and i and you know well jonathan you know had to step down but but so we continue to do that but that's not my ministry my ministry and where my ministry is going to be headed too is is with jeff because i'm called specifically there and i've heard the word of the lord hey this is where you're supposed to be but that doesn't mean that i'm not part of the source you know that doesn't mean but it's that sharing and And i don't see it as an individual futile to continue to love and pour into you and your family yeah so that you can be fruitful where the lord has placed you right wouldn't that be something if this is the way the church operated it's we pour into people so that they can build the kingdom, not so that they can grow my church. Yeah. Yes. Right. I mean, wouldn't that be, um, and I don't think any pastor would ever say, well, yeah, I'm building, I'm growing these people so that they will grow my church. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't they, say it. They but, wouldn't say it. Exactly. But the practicality, because, because the, well, and you, pastoring is not, I don't know if that's a verb, Pastoring, uh, pastoring, shepherding, shepherding um, is not easy. I mean, 
there's a reason why the shepherds would sometimes eat the sheep that they were shepherding. Um, I mean, it's, it's not easy. People, people are people wherever you go. Um, and, and the reality is, is, is sometimes you're barely keeping your head above water with, with however, you know, whether it's 15 or 150, um, because people, it's hard pouring into people's lives. Um, and so, when someone says like what Casey just said, you know, well, I'm, I'm, you're investing in me so that I can invest in this over there. Um, as a pastor, sometimes I go, well, why don't you just go over there? Because I don't have the time, the energy, the, um, but what would happen to the kingdom of God if we got so, we stopped being so myopic and looking so narrowly at where I am and started looking at where the kingdom of God is going, mm-hmm. um, then we would be investing in people completely differently. Yeah. Well, um, it's it's a universal church mentality versus the local church mentality. Yeah. Right. Is what it is. So that, yeah, I, I want to build the kingdom. And so... I'm going to do everything I can to pour into you, to love you, to equip you, disciple you, send you, resource you, so that you're fru- fruitful wherever you go, whenever you go. Exactly. This is it's for the building up of the saints, right? Yeah. Right. All these people. For the work the, of the ministry. Right. For the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think sometimes we confuse our ministry with where we go to church rather than the fact that God has a specific for everybody. It's not just, oh, well, there's some evangelists or, you know, everybody has gifts Everybody has a role that, a role. that only yep. they a can fulfill within the kingdom. You know, God has given them something to realize, you know. And so I think sometimes we're okay with just going to church and saying, well, th- this is me living out the kingdom. No, 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 no. You know, you have a specific function, and we're to be edifying each other for that for that, that specific work that he's called you to. It all goes, it all goes back to identity. Mm-hmm. We, we need a major identity check. And I needed it, and I'm still going through it. And the Lord has given me passion for identity to help give. I mean, I've said this before, but, you know, we long for the deep things of God. Yeah. Right. And I've heard people say, yeah, I just don't know. I just don't feel like they preach enough meat. I feel like it's just milk and that that kind of stuff. That's okay. Good. However, you know, I fell into this mentality that, man, I want to go deeper. But what I've realized, even in myself, in trying to go deeper, is that I missed foundational teaching. Mm-hmm. And I missed foundational elementary identity. Right. And so that I didn't really know who I was or where I was going or what I was doing. You can understand. The so you're deep- trying you're driving you're dr- you're trying to drive a car when you're five years old. Yeah. You can you can understand deep theologies with reason and logic. Mm-hmm. And you can miss your identity in Christ and your role in your call to the body. Mm-hmm. And so as the source, I mean, we're talking a lot about this, but this is my context. Just, yeah. We say the source, Wichita, is a discipling, equipping, and sending ministry to service, right? Embracing roles and calls as we partner in unity with the body of Christ in Wichita and the world. So basically what we want to do is we want to help disciple equip and send people that's our vision that's our those are our values we come into alignment with these values but we also understand that we can't do this outside of unity and that's the reason that we've crafted this statement the way that we have because i can build a discipleship ministry 
from the source. And I can exhaust all of our time, energy, and resources into building a discipleship ministry, into building a missions ministry, into building a teaching ministry, into building curriculums, into into printing books, into doing all these different things. And I can exhaust myself. But what if I just look to my neighbor who also loves the Lord, who God has called and I'm going to use the term role as a verb rolled. He's rolled you into this position. So you're a teaching pastor. Your gift is teaching you out of your passion and your call. Everything that you are, you utilize your gifting of teaching for the body of Christ. Well, what if within our ministry, we don't have a gifted teacher, but we have people who see the value in the teaching of the word of God well, then why not just send those people to you and we partner in you so that you can help pour into them through teaching. And maybe people in our, in our congregation, they have the gift of giving. And so we have a lot of resources, you know what I'm saying? So like, why are we trying to, to build these full kingdoms? So going back to role and call and identity is it's very, it's very important that, you know, you came in the very beginning, you said, Mike, I pastor, but my gifting is teaching. Well, that helps you not take on certain burdens and expectations under that title because you know your role and your call. And that's what it's all about. The realization is bringing kingdom order to the church so that people understand their role and their call. And then they utilize and their place and their place. They utilize that gifting for the building up of the body of Christ or reaching the lost. I know it's for a different conversation, but this is Ephesians, Apest. God gave some yep. to be apostles and exactly. prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Yeah, we revert to that often. Yes, yeah. and so, um, yeah, that, and and by some, he means no one is all of them except Jesus, um, and so some, it's everyone has something, mm-hmm. and one of five. I mean, those are good odds. <laughs> yeah, you so, you should be able to figure out where you fit. Mm-hmm. You have five shots at it, um, you know, and so it's like it's like well, if that's not working for you, and I the spirit leads, but um, sometimes it's also trial by a trial and error, you know. If that's not working for you, try try the next one. Hey, that one works. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's but yeah, there's and I know that's a different conversation, sure. but that's well, let's talk about that next then, <laughs> like another one, another time. Yeah, yeah. Well. Cool, man. This needs to be a two-parter. Yeah. I, it does need to be a two-parter. We'd love to invite you back, and and we can just keep going and keep going. But so, in conclusion, holiness. <laughs> I know, right? In in conclusion, I would say, and this is, I think, all this is just going to be my sign-off line, and that's how the cookie crumbles, right? So the sign-off line is: seek the face of Jesus in your individual life, in your church. You know, be the guy that desires deeper relationship with Christ Coram than Deo one other. in the face of Christ mm, in the face so of God Coram so Deo. Good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And ingratitude yeah. and ingratitude and an acceptance of where you are and that what you are to be might not, it isn't fully realized yet, but you're in the process where it process, process, processes everything. So. Amen. Well, that was episode four of salty dogs podcast. I hope that we added some flavor to your day. (laughs) Love you guys. Thanks for listening and uh, check back for our next episode here in a couple weeks. Adios. Thanks, Jeff. You got it.